Thanks for listening to the Stimulate Run podcast. If you like what you hear, remember to subscribe, leave a rating and a review. If you would like to get in touch or have future guest suggestions, please make contact via email or slide into DMs on any of the social channels. Here's your host, Erwin, with this episode's guest. All right. So a few things has changed since, uh, let's call it episode one when today's guest was last on, um, I just said to her that uh, as soon as she finished her previous event, I said, I shotgun you, you're first. Um, she's got a couple of trophies on the mantle behind her, but I think you're a bit of a big deal now in the ultra scene, Jess, and national title, golden boot to match. And But yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on, and I'm really looking forward to having this chat. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Jessica Smith. Yeah, thanks very much, Erwin. Just thinking about it, I think it was almost a year since I was here last time. So yeah, a lot has a lot has changed since then. So I think our main chat last time was all about the marathon. Well, I had to have a look, and I was like, oh, season yeah. three, episode ten. So if there's any listeners all who that. haven't haven't uh, listened, uh, go back. You know, just have a listen to Jess and Carly on the first. But yeah, you were pre Bunbury marathon, and yeah, I'll. Uh, give myself some kudos that I I've almost nailed the prediction I was within minutes so you were closer to the prediction than I was so I think my goal was 330 yeah and you were saying you'll be closer to three than 330 yeah and at the so, time and at the time I was going no, no <laughs> chance like not gonna happen anyway I think it was about 312 and change so yeah definitely because yeah, I almost almost had minutes on for you because I was going to say 3.15 earlier today and yeah. I had a look and I was like, no, got to get that yeah. right because there's nothing worse when somebody gets the time wrong. <laughs> to be honest, I can't actually remember the time. I think it was 3.12 something, but um, that seems like a lifetime ago now, to be honest. And I think it, it's a great little precursor for our chat because, you know, most people and I myself, if that was your last marathon time, you'd be sitting there telling everybody about it still. And I think a lot of marathoners do that, uh, wear that badge of honour. But you've just really done so much. And even on that day, you know, you were very much like, ah, oh, great. You know, whatever happens, it pour down with bloody rain, first of all. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it did not stop raining that whole morning. I do remember it well. Yeah. So, for those who didn't listen to the first episode with Carly, do you want to mm-hmm. just tell us who you are and let's talk about life, who you are and sporting yep. history, who you are as well? Yeah, so I call myself a runner. Um, I think non-runners find that a little bit strange, but I always sort of, my name's Jess and I'm a runner. It's just something that I've always done, something that I consider to be part of who I am. Um, pretty much starting with little athletics back when I was about 10 years old and just kind of never stopped. So you sort of start with, you know, doing a 5K, getting into park run, doing 10Ks through through high school and uni, getting into the half marathon, getting into the marathon, um, and then really the last couple of years just getting into the ultra world as well. Um, so I'd probably call myself, I guess, an ultra runner now more than anything else. Um, as far as life, I do health and safety. I work up north um, on a remote mine site uh, on a nine and five roster. So I'm away at work every second weekend at the moment um, and then just try and fit the running in around that as much as possible. And then if that doesn't keep me sort of busy enough, I'm also studying teaching. Um, 
part-time on top of that as well. So it's pretty busy at the moment, um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. So yeah, it's just... And I'm just Getting wondering, it all in is the back to part. the first episode, was there a bit of a background in volleyball? Yeah, so through high school and uni, used to play volleyball. Um, so I went to Rossmoyne, which is sort of a volleyball school, um, and got to travel a little bit with that as well. So I'm a very short volleyball player, um, which is funny, those that know me, I am quite tall, but <laughs> just in the volleyball world, I was never cut out to be a volleyball player. Um, so I sort of gave that up to sort of focus on the running um sort of towards the end of uni so early 20s so tell me uh the FIFO stuff mm. hey where did where did safety come into it <laughs> you know obviously yeah. that's almost like you've had a career already before your actual career is going to start and then yeah. teaching did you just wake up one day and go oh great I'm going or did you always have that ambition <laughs> Yeah, interesting question. Um, I feel like I've had five careers already, to be honest. Um, so I studied sports science straight out of school, um, loved sport, didn't know what I wanted to do and just thought, you know what, that's going to be a really fun degree. Uh, Carly, my older cousin, also did it and it seemed really fun. So I thought, you know, don't know what you want to do, go and do sport at uni. Um, finished that, went travelling, um, travelled through Europe, got a gig in Scotland doing waitressing, and then came back to Perth pretty much without any money. So I went, right, have no money. What am I going to do? Let's go work in the mines. So actually sort of started up in the mines working in the gym. Um, so doing health programs, doing classes, doing a bit of PT. Um, and then sort of just naturally because of the type of work I was doing, I was working with injured workers and it sort of led into health and safety. Um, and so I sort of thought, oh, great. They're going to pay for me to do my health and safety study career opportunities, got right into it, did it for about five years um, and then basically wanted to get out of the FIFO life after about five years. So came back to Perth, ended up teaching health and safety. So working at something like a TAFE mm-hmm. um, and just loved it. Um, teaching adults. So really enjoyed the teaching side of it, but just didn't find it rewarding as no. such. So looked into different options and decided to go and sign up for my primary teaching degree. Um, My sister works in primary schools. Carly is a high school teacher. Uh, My mum works in a school. My granny was the canteen lady at high school. So pretty much it's sort of in our blood to work in a school system. So pretty much from when I first started the degree, doing my first pracs, I've just loved it. Um, So it just feels right um, and something where I want to sort of end up. So Um, And the other interesting thing as well, when you ask the question, is it something that you always wanted to do? I actually used to play schools when I was a kid and my little brother and little sister, they were always the students and I was always sort of the bossy one telling them what to do, making up worksheets. And we would spend literally the entire school holidays just playing schools and playing teachers. So it's been a weird career journey, um, but it just feels like this is the right direction and I'm just loving the study. So yeah it's a it's a completely different ball game like I went from primary my first like yeah. I did year one prac that was my first ever prac yeah right and I was like yeah you're going in here and they're looking at you going <laughs> hey monster don't step on me yeah. uh and then now working adult education completely different yeah so, right yeah Interesting. like yeah yeah you kind of you do it though like I feel yeah. with kids and that's probably you get so much opportunity to 
and it's a bit cliche, but actually yeah. help the next generation. Yeah. Yeah, and that's super interesting. My first prep was also year one, um, and I went into it just terrified. I'm like, these six-year-olds, <laughs> what, am, what am I getting myself in for? And just from the moment I was in there, it was just the best experience. And the thing that really got me was just how enthusiastic they were. Mm. Um, and, and even sort of what you'd class as, say, the naughty kids, they still wanted to try and impress you and show you what they could do as far yeah. as... Um, their education so yeah I sort of initially thought upper primary but now that I've done prac in sort of the lower primary um just really really enjoyed it so oh, they don't we'll talk see where we end you. up <laughs> yeah I mean I was at a good school as well so you know I guess <laughs> yeah. what school you at makes a big difference as well but well it'll be interesting when we get loving to it uh, so far we get to the ambition part of the conversation because I'm interested to see how you you know, it just sounds like you're not just going to be a 30-year class teacher. You know, you're going to kind of go, yeah. okay, well, now what do I want to do within this? Um, but in terms of the FIFO side, I know that position and the longevity is not very long, right? Like you struggle yeah. if you bump into somebody who does that role for more than a year. So to do it for five, you are well and truly in the minority. Yeah, and honestly, the, the reason I think I did last sort of so long was that I travelled, you know. Yeah. So you could take a swing off and you'd get four weeks off. So I managed to just travel a lot during that time um, and pretty much I'd get home from one trip and then start planning the next one, um, yeah. which definitely, again, goal-orientated. You've got that goal there. You work backwards and go, right, what am I going to do to get there? Okay, I've got to do FIFO for another six months. I can do that. So... Yeah, it's just setting those goals and knowing that it's not forever as well. Have you always been the type of person who just lives, you know, or was there something in life? Like, you know, a lot of people since COVID came along are like, now nah, we just got to live now and forget this 10-year plan, five-year plan. Like, or have you always just been, you know what? We work, we travel, drain the bank account. Who cares? We've got such memories. You guys went to Kenya Scotland yeah. you know that kind of thing or was this a catalyst that created that um yeah interesting question I think I have always just kind of lived like that you know work hard to then be able to sort of spend your money on what you want um and I, I am quite good with money like I can sort of save if I have to um so I think it's honestly a little of both you know you have got the plans and you know, I want to save for a deposit for a house or, in, you know, whatever it might be. But also you work, you want to go and enjoy sort of, you know, the money that you've earned from doing that as well. So definitely that's a little bit of both, I would say. Um, but I wouldn't say there was a catalyst to go and live now, so to mm. speak. Um, I've just always, especially with the travel, just always enjoyed travel um, and just wanted to see as much as I could with the time that I've got now. Um, might start getting race invites now yeah. so more travel even after. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in terms of that we spoke about this off air but the journey and the destination um, you know there's so many facets in your life that you've mixed with work and FIFO and but spending three hours on the trail still seems to be the, the place will find you and with a wide range of abilities compared to chasing a 5k pb you know like it just seems 
that you'd prefer just to go, hey, if you're a seven minute K person, I'll go spend three hours with you on the trail. I don't care. Yeah. Whereas the rigidity of a 5K plan, you know, you just go, meh, doesn't no. work. For <laughs> no, definitely. Um, and I think that's when you talk about journey versus destination, you know, for me, and especially for a lot of ultra runners, you have to enjoy the journey because there is so much time involved in the training. Um, I think the hardest race I've ever done was a 5K um, on a track probably the hardest I've ever done and just have no desires to ever get back there to that kind of to, to speed training like that. So yeah, give me three hours, five hours, a full day on a trail, you know, taking walk breaks, hiking the hills, um, stopping and eating chats, all of those sorts of things. Um, it's just a happy place for me. Um, so yeah, definitely the journey um, is a big part of the fun factor for me as well. And it's, you know, it's important that that fun factor is there um, or else I wouldn't be doing it, you know. Is it the same then with your current combination of study and work? Because, you know, you could stay at home and okay, way less money, but you've got the comforts of home, you know what you're doing, whereas now you're putting us, but you get to meet that many people on a mine site around the mess. And you know that when you go and apply for a job, you're going to be in a staff room with people from all walks of life. And, you know, you, you're able to almost walk into a room and speak to anybody, but based on your life experience. And that's the journey, right? Yeah, that's it. Um, and that's a big, that's, when I talk about safety, that's probably the most important skill you can have as well, is to be able to go up to anybody, no matter their background, and have a chat with them. Um, there's sort of two approaches towards health and safety. And you've got that very old school, you're not wearing your gloves, you're doing it wrong. You know, I'm going to tell you how to do your job, um, which I hate. For me, safety is all about having the interpersonal skills to go and have a chat with someone um, and actually empowering them to make the right decisions on their own. So um, definitely being up there, um, as much as it's sort of not related to the teaching at all, there's definitely transferable skills that you're sort of learning and um, using whilst you're up there as well. And if I said soul and ambition and smiling assassin, uh, what do you think? Like, you know, you're not somebody who puts their ambitions out there and deep down you would know, like you, you know, you've probably got a board and you go, this is what I'm doing um, and you're going to bloody get it. And then even smiling assassin side, you know, we've seen you at an event, but inside there'd be some fire. Yeah. So pretty much the start of every year, I'll sort of set, I'm definitely goal orientated. So I'll definitely set goals. Um, with the ultras, it's never so much a time goal. It's more just a, almost an event goal or a distance goal or, or something like that. So a bit different to sort of say the speed goals that you would have in a road run or something shorter. Um, so yeah, very goal orientated when I'm sort of coming up with my plan for the year. Um, as far as smiling assassin <laughs> don't know what you're talking about <laughs> I, think I, had, I, I think i wouldn't have a clue um i mean yeah i guess i do keep my cards quite close to my chest but at the end of the day for me it's just about having fun as well you know and i think i spoke last time about um not necessarily about the times that you're hitting, but are you having fun and are you doing your best to actually get there as well? So that's a big part of the enjoyment factor for me as well. Cool. Um, do you think you're well balanced? So 
like from a runner's perspective, I would say, yeah, nailing it, you know. But from an outsider's point of view, they might go, this person's crazy. Like you're running 275K, it's a whole different, like, so if self-reflection and me just asking you now, do you think you've got like, you've got it all sorted or is there a fair bit of extreme going on? Um, I mean, there's definitely extreme when you're talking about 275 kilometers. Um, but yeah, as far as like sort of life balance, I guess, downtime is probably where I fall short as far as balance. Um, pretty much a go-getter in the fact that there's not much time to actually just sit and chill. And it's just a fact of where life's at, the fact that, you know, you've got to fit the study in, the work in, the training in. Um, yeah, and I'd say that's probably something that I don't do well enough is the recovery and the chill and yeah, the downtime um, that sort of goes, that should go with that as well um, on reflection. <laughs> but do you think as well that balance is overrated and has more, well, this whole word balance carries more weight than is actually true, right? Because if you, if you love something and it means so much to you, then go and chase it and throw the kitchen sink at it. Yeah, if it becomes unhealthy, it's becoming unhealthy. But if it's your thing, go and grasp it with both hands, you know? That's a really interesting point as well. I mean, what is balance? And what's balanced to one person is going to be completely different, I guess, to another person as well. Um, and for me, that balance is a lot of the time choosing to go out and run for five hours on my day off or, you know, whatever it might be. <laughs> <laughs> other people couldn't think of anything worse want to sit in front of Netflix for five hours <laughs> well and that's the same because you would look at that and go that is terrible like I look at yeah. you know again no one come at me here but you know game <laughs> gamers like I said yeah. I could think of nothing worse than sitting behind a computer yeah. screen or whatever for five hours like I yeah. it would drive me spit however they would look at me and go you're going out for three hours on a Sunday morning that is the most ridiculous thing in the world yeah, absolutely. My brother's a gamer, actually. Um, and he loves it. Like he's yeah. on there talking to people from England and America, <laughs> middle of the night, you know, so he's going to bed at 5am and I'm just getting up to go for a run. But, you know, he loves that. And that's okay. You know, that's what he chooses to spend his time doing. He thinks I'm crazy. So yeah, yeah, balance, interesting thing. Do you have a and I'll call it a thing, right? So we've always had this conversation like recently about yeah. people that there's runners are crazy, let's say, you know. Um, but if you're going to go run 270K, 300K, like do you have, is there a cattle, like what's the thing? And, you know, people go, oh, that's extreme behavior. But, you know, like what, what actually gets you going and have you, is there something that goes, oh, that's my trigger? As in like the why sort of thing? Yeah. You know, I don't like asking that question because it's, again, it's why? so yeah. cliche and people can never actually answer it, but they, they yeah. know what it is. You can't articulate, right? Um, yeah. But if you can articulate what your why is, then hey, by all means. But more of and the I mean, reasons why, not just one thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just the challenge, I guess. And you look at, if you were to say straight up, even now and go, go and run for 270 kilometers, 
I'd look at you like you were crazy. Like, I don't want to do that. But it's just about breaking it down and going, right, well, the last challenge was a miler, you know, 100 kilometres, whatever it was. Right, let's go and walk. How can I beat that? How can I do better than that? So it sort of, again, comes from a very goal-driven place where you go, that's what I did last time. Let's go better. So whereas a marathon runner might go, okay, that was 2.13, let's, uh, 3.13, let's try and now get quicker than that. For me, it's about that distance and just pushing that sort of further and further each time. Um, and then just, again, working backwards to go, well, what do I have to do to actually get there? So, yeah, to sort of stop and think, well, 270Ks in one go. Yeah, okay, I, I get that. That's a bit crazy, but work backwards and go, right, it's a backyard ultra. It's that format. Right, let's approach it from that format and just, just setting small goals. And, you know, I never set a goal for that event as such. So, yeah, I forget what your question was now. But... <laughs> well, it was what's your why? And you just proved the point that nobody can actually answer that actually question. Actually answer it. <laughs> and you know what the worst because thing it, is? When tomorrow, if you go, there. yeah, if you go for a run tomorrow, you'll sit there and go, like, oh, that's my answer. And that's the why. Yeah. Yep. And we all sit there like just just stunned when someone asks you that. Yeah. But you do this Why? thing every day. Why do we do it? Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of it because your answer changes every day. You know, yeah, on a Monday, absolutely. you hate it. But then yeah. at the end of your Monday run, you love it. And it's, yeah. it, and probably all facets, everyone does it. People that do puzzles, exactly the same, probably. Um, so I love a puzzle. <laughs> you just kind of... I suppose you you debunked your own answer as we're talking off here about unstructured stuff, but you just almost explained how you structure a plan. Yeah. And that's not yeah. what we said off here. So um, but again, like you know, just from seeing even some of your stuff on Strava and the way you tend to run, a lot of it is unstructured because that's the beauty of ultra running, but you know how much yeah. you need to cover. And again, if somebody yep. sends you a message Friday night, hey Jess, you want to go do two hours. I dare yep. say 90% of the time you'll say, yeah, let's go instead of saying, oh no, I've got an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple of things there. So I'll always write a plan. So I'll always set a goal race, whatever it might be. And then I'll work backwards 10 weeks, 12 weeks of much time I get. I'll never stick to that plan like ever. I'll have it all written out. I'll have it, you know, if it's something where I need intervals, I'll put those in there. But I guess I see it for myself more as a guide. You know, this is how many kilometres you should be hitting each week. Um, and now let's just see how it all fits into a week and fits around life. Um, and I think that's a big part of why I've chosen never to be coached um, because I like exactly what you're saying. I love the idea of, oh, let's go out and do this run on the weekend. And, oh, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll just I interrupt sort of you quickly. Limited. And I just yeah. wrote down on my bit of paper, uncoachable question mark. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I continue on, sorry. To, yeah, no, that's hilarious. I've literally said to people before, like, I would just be a coach's worst nightmare because I'd be the person that would be hiding their runs on Strava, like putting them as private so that coach can't see it <laughs> and that sort of thing. Um, because you do hear runners, like exactly what you were saying, you know, oh, I can't, I've only got 90 minutes or, mm. you know, I've got to cut it short, something like that. So as much as I can see the value of, of getting coaching, I think it's just 
not for me and that's okay you know I enjoy doing what I'm doing um and I'm you know quite happy doing that so yeah never say never <laughs> but, but you probably yeah. don't you probably need more of a mentor or mentors you know, yeah like not just one you'd have yep. a few where you'd bounce things off and say oh yep. I'm now jumping into doing some speed work okay let me speak to somebody who does speed stuff it might be a track coach and say this yep. is what I'm thinking what do you think and they might cut it apart but they're not you're not going to follow what they say um yep. just to give you a bit of that structure but do you then think because you prefer the unstructured and not necessarily following a plan why you've gone to the ultra side of things because of the it's more fluid whereas if you know again coming back to your marathon last year if i ran and most people who would run a 312 marathon at your age would go oh, i'm bringing that down two three or under three like that's yeah. generalizing but you've kind of gone, no, we'll put it on a shelf. Maybe one day, maybe not. Who cares? Yeah. Um, and that's definitely crossed my mind a number of times in the last year. You know, do I focus on the marathon and just get coached and see what I can do with a marathon? Um, but then I just, the other part of me is like, but I didn't actually fully enjoy that training cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, I think because my sister and I trained for that together. And I remember the first time we went for a trail run after that was just like euphoric. Like we were just loving it. We were slipping and sliding down the hills and sort of going over on our ankles and over all the rocks. But we were, we were almost just yelling out loud just from excitement of being back out sort of up in the hills. So, yeah, as much as there's a part of me that thinks, do I give the marathon a real crack and, and see how much or if we can lower that at all? Um, but it all comes back to what do I enjoy doing? You know, and I think at the end of the day, that's going long, going out on the trails um, and just trying to ignore the, ignore the speed work. <laughs> and you're what, like, um, essentially, and it's mad time flippant to people listening, but the marathon doesn't mean much to yeah. you. Like, it, yep. it's just there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I just find the, the bigger challenge and what I want to strive to is, is the ultras, you know, you, you do a, a, a six inch 47 K, right. Let's, can you do a 50 K? Okay. You've done a 50 K. Can you do a 50 miler? And that's more what drives me, I think is just hitting, hitting those distances and just that feeling of just utter exhaustion when you finish them. I just really love that feeling. Um, yeah, yeah, so this is coming a, back to... Yeah, after marathon, <laughs> but it's different. It's different. This is coming back to that same thing where your friends sit around and go, yeah, not normal. But everybody yeah. else goes, yeah, I know what you mean. That's yeah. terrible when your eyes are hanging out on a Wednesday afternoon because mm. you're training. Um, all right, let's talk about a bit of the physical side of this game then. Um, so let's say Herdy's specific kind of thing and from the 100-miler mm-hmm. up. Yep. A lot of people who I've even bumped into the last week almost go, where do you start? You know, most people can get a generic program for a marathon and whatnot. But once you enter and then you go five months to train, these are the things like, where does this go? Do you have markers that you want to cover and go, I need to hit X amount of Ks or, you know, like what is the plan? As far as a training plan or 
Well, pretty much from the day you decide this is going on the fridge and I'm into this. Yeah. Yeah. Talk Um, me back, like you said. So event and talk back. Yeah. Well, my first one was birdies last year. Um, And it's actually interesting that you talk about mentor. um, Because I remember at the time, I think I put an Instagram post out just saying, how do I train for this? No idea. Um, And Phil actually got in touch. So um, most people in the ultra world know Phil Gore, um, Australian record holder. And he sort of just started answering some of my questions hardly knew Phil at all but sort of started picking his brains a little bit as far as how much training should I be doing what sort of training should I be doing should I be doing speed should I be doing you know time on feet all of those sorts of things so he just sort of said oh look you want to get x number of kilometers 150 to 170 sort of kilometers and I went oh that's a lot more than I would normally do um so I sort of tailored that back you know I don't want to injure myself so I sort of tailored that back a little bit and um, I'm a big advocate for the 10% rule. So you increase by no more than 10% per week um, as far as distance. So pretty much just went right. Well, if my peak week's going to be 160, let's take 10% back each week um, and sort of just did it that way. But it really like for the that worked for me. For the individual, you've just got to look at where are you currently and what's achievable because what's going to work for one person isn't going to work for someone else and the great thing about an event like a backyard ultra is that it is for everybody everybody can enter it there's people that go in and do two laps you know there's people that go in and do 100 kilometers and that's a distance pb so as far as coming up with what your training plan is it's just working out well how far do i want to go and what's achievable for me in training um so yeah peak week last year leading up to birdies 160 kilometers it almost broke me um I think I finished the week with a 50 kilometer race didn't race it just entered it um yeah and I reckon I was right on the cusp of that was about as much as my body could sort of handle so um yeah learned a lot from that training block actually and what I can sort of cope with as far as the body's concerned and what's sort of too much so and just pure aerobic running um, you know, how, do you have to teach yourself even to scale that back? Yeah, yeah, I think it was pretty much all sort of aerobic time on feet. So I'd sort mm-hmm. of look at it a lot as um, I wasn't worried about pace whatsoever. And it was just right, go out and do double days. Um, I would come home from an event, like if I had a, a 20K half marathon or something, I would come home from it and go and do a 6.7K lap didn't feel like it didn't want to go body was hurting but just that time on feet learning to run fatigued I guess um doing a lot of sort of night runs and then early morning run again just getting that practice on tired legs um I mean there's no amount of practice that's going to get you ready for you know running on 200 kilometer (laughs) deep legs but as much as possible you try and mimic what you're going to be faced with in that race. So that was kind of the, the plan going into the training. And I, I suppose um, the beauty of an ultra is, you know, you might do a 50K long run if your event was 100K or you, you don't actually go to that distance in training Yeah. because no. then it all becomes mental after that certain, but your week is big. Yeah. But again, like, you know, when you're standing there at the start line, do you say to yourself, right, well, 
I know I've got 150K in me or I've got 200K in me and then the rest is just whatever. <laughs> um, not really, because to me, I like to break it down a lot smaller than that. Um, because even by 40K, your legs are starting to hurt. You know, so, um, If I'm at 40K and I'm thinking about 150K, I'm going to go, there's no chance I'm going to get to that. So I really break it down into really small goals. So get to the marathon, get to the 50K, you know, and just slowly build it up. I think if you start thinking too far ahead, it becomes a bit overwhelming and you're fatigued. So then your brain starts playing tricks on you as well and telling you you can't do it and telling you it's too hard. So I try and block the thoughts about the end of the race um, and just focus on the now, focus on the next little goal um, and do what I can to get there, reach it and then set the next little goal, um, which seems to work for me. And a lot of people sort of talk about that type of strategy as well going into it. And it's interesting just watching as well because, you know, I've heard people that do multi-day events and they actually say they get fitter as the event goes and yeah. they actually feel better as the event goes. Because when I saw you on Saturday morning and there's a, like, you were fine, but there was a couple of people with you and I was like, oh, they've cooked. Um, but then yeah. you see they're still going Saturday night and you go, what on earth? Like, it's almost like they just rejuvenated and they're like, yep, I'm good to go. It's, and that's ultra running, you know. There's definitely periods where you're so low. And even, you know, even the early hours of Saturday morning, you know, it's still dark and it's that really the witching hour, they sort of call it for ultra running. And you're going, I am done here. I don't know how much further I can go. But then you come out of it again. Mm -hmm. So the thing with ultra running is you just have to remember that it can get better um, and that you can come out of that real that real low point if you can just keep going um, and nutrition is a big part of that so getting your nutrition right getting enough calories in it's literally like a car you know if you're not putting fuel in that tank it's going to conk out the, your body's no different so a big thing with the ultras as well is keep your nutrition up and if you are starting to sort of bonk out just know that if you can get that nutrition in that fuel in you potentially come good again so and that's where laps would be laps would be beneficial because if I said go do a miler, if yeah. you point to point, you're like, okay, I know where I need to get to. But with laps, if it was a miler laps, you go, well, okay, well, every 7K, I'm going to come back and I'm going to see people again and you're going to go. Um, yeah. In terms of... Just, yeah, go on. I was just going to say, it's just so structured in that way as well. And it becomes such a routine that you kind of stop thinking about it. It just is life for that 40 hours, 24 hours, whatever it might be. Okay, we're going to go walk, run. We're going to come in. We're going to sit down for 10 minutes. We're going to eat. We're going to go again. It just become, it's almost monotonous in the routine. But if you don't think about it, you just do it. And you don't really have an option. Um, whereas in a point to point 100 miler, you sit down at that aid station you can sit there for two, three, four hours. You know, there's no one telling you to get up. Um, so the fact that it's laps, you have to get up. There's no choice. So you just do it. It's, uh, the <laughs> listeners are just about to say, oh, I remember when she spoke about liking the unstructured. <laughs> yeah. well, Debunk that one yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's what gets you through. Um, yeah. The training, and I'm a firm believer in that 
the training doesn't owe you anything and that regardless of whatever the distance right and the same with your body your body doesn't owe you anything but before a marathon you can say 30k as you're sitting on the couch and the race starts deep in the 30s yeah. here you know the first few a bit of a party atmosphere everyone's having fun but I dare say you start seeing some damage even early with people who just turned up to do 30 to 40 k's right yeah and that's I think I said this earlier that's just what I love about this event is that people are hitting their limit whatever that might be you know that might be 50 k's and just you see them pushing and it's motivating to see other people out there pushing further than they have before and you might be still feeling okay at that point but then you're trying to help other people try and get to their goals as well so as far as like you know the race sort of starting at 30k I mean the race I wouldn't even call a backyard ultra a race to be honest it's very I think it's very personal Mm. um maybe if you get to the assist position even in the assist position you know and that's those that don't know that's the person that essentially comes second even then it's not really a race because you're trying to help the person that's kind of doing better um so yeah it never really sort of feels like a race as such that would start at say 30 k's in a marathon well i was just thinking you know like you're standing on the start line and margie's standing next to you is there ever a time where you almost look across and go well it's you or me for that title but you can't afford to do that because if you lose concentration by thinking of that, you're setting yourself up because that person probably couldn't even notice you there. Yeah, so that's an interesting point. You sort of think about it, but you don't at the same time because you don't know what their plan is. You don't know what their goal is. You know, you, you might be on completely different pages. And I think if you start getting caught up in the race side of it, you definitely lose focus of your own sort of game plan and your own sort of strategy going into it. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't say the race really factors into it. I mean, my goal for the race was never a record, didn't even cross my mind. It was always get to the second sunrise. Um, Didn't even realise that that was in that sort of realm of the record. It just kind of, yeah, for me, get to that second sunrise, anything else is a bonus. But yeah, definitely smiling assassin. Is that what? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yep. The uh, the mental side of things, and I think this is what people actually really love about it. You know, it's not even yep. it's not even the physical side and the physical exhaustion. That's almost just a byproduct. I think. Yeah. We love to see where people can go, but how do you train for that? And there's nothing that can prepare you for that, right? And then the flip side of that is, how do you carry that into your life? Because there's there's benefits, you know, are you more patient in life? Are you, yeah, how does that carry across? Okay, so characteristics that I have that I think make me an okay backyard ultra runner um, is stubbornness, definitely. Um, and mum, if you're listening, you'll be laughing hard at this because I've always been quite stubborn um, and very much that personality. If you're going to do something, do it well, you know, go and give it your all, try your hardest um, and don't quit is essentially something that's, you know, a trait that I've sort of got. I want to master something and I want to do it well. Um, 
So I think that definitely helps. Um, I sort of give myself little mantras um, when I'm doing these races. Uh, Big Kev once said that the witching hours are between, I think, 1 and 5 a.m. or 2 and 5 a.m. And he said the most people quit during those hours. It's hard, it's cold, there's not many people around. It's just easy to quit during those hours. And so I sort of thought about that and went, you know what? No, I do not quit between 2 a.m. and 5 a.m. So when it gets to those hours, I'll have this mantra in my head and going, do not quit during those hours. Um, no matter how hard it gets, you cannot quit during that time. Um, so then when it comes to those hours and it's hurting and I don't want to do it anymore, I almost, it's not even an option to quit because I've got this mantra in my head that you're not going to quit during that time. So little things like that. And there's other little sort of mantras and strategies that I'll say to keep going. Um, the thing with the Backyard Ultra too is there's a couple of ways that your race ends. You can either choose not to start again. You can choose to sort of start and then, and then stop straight away or you miss cut off. You don't make it around in a lap. Um, and really that's the way that you should be going out is that you're that physically done that you can't actually make it around in that time. But they reckon only about 5% of people actually time out and don't make it around. So as far as mental sort of game, it's can I keep going until my body physically can't keep getting around that lap. Um, and it's a hard thing because the actual pace of it, it's about eight minutes 30 per kilometer. So it's actually pretty slow to get around. So you can walk, run most of it and still get around pretty comfortably. So yeah, it's just what do I have to keep telling myself to keep pushing through that pain barrier, essentially. And I think that's one um, of the hardest things to actually nail how to yeah. Right. I, I, can, I reckon I could get a hundred runners tomorrow together and say, go run yeah. and it's okay. And you'd probably get two that could actually, you know, unless they were, that was their normal pace. But if they yeah. normal run was a five minute K, you would struggle to get two of them to do it because it's hard. Yeah. It's a hard pace to run. And that's where the walk run comes into it. Um, so you're sort of running your six minute pace, six minute, 30 pace, whatever it might be. And then you walk for a little bit. Um, but even then towards the end, like I was really, really hurting and still coming in, in 51, 52 minutes. So you go, hang on, I've still got eight minutes to play with here, but in my head, I'm done, you know? So it's just trying to, how do you overcome that little voice inside your head that's telling you to quit? Um, and that's the key. Haven't worked it out yet, but that's the key. Um, and that's the why ultra. I sit there and go, and admit like, what is, what's the, the, the why but like the thing yeah. you know and yeah. but that's the beauty you're going to keep going back until you almost have identified that but like are you are you a mental strength beast like is that really you you competitive if I put you up against somebody else smiling assassin all those kind of things you're just not going to give up and not in a bit you own it though like I think that's the issue a lot of people now is they're too scared to say well I'm going there and I want to absolutely dominate if I don't win whatever such as life I'm just as happy but you're going in to get the best out of yourself yeah. and the result yeah I can't wait for the day and I, I'm hoping it will happen soon when there's a couple of women at the end there um, all pushing at our limit um, mm -hmm. you see it you see it in the men's races you know 
Phil and Big Kev and, and Chetan this year, all sort of at the end, um, pushing each other. But the last couple of years, the solo female's been on their own for quite a while at the end there. So I think I'm really looking forward to the day and I'm hopefully I'm involved, but you just never know in these events where there's a couple of women there pushing each other and how far can we go? Um, it excites me. And that's why I keep signing up for these events um, because I just think there's, there's further that we can push um, and I'm excited for that. So then is that the same in daily life then? You know, you have a bad day. Is it nah, knuckle down? Here we go. Or do you just crumble in a heap, go buy a block of chocolate, sit on the couch? Like, <laughs> um, I go for a run. Yeah. <laughs> have, have a bad day, put the trainers on, and that normally um, sorts things out. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I definitely wouldn't say I approach normal life like I do sort of running in these respects. Um, yeah. What was your question again? I can't even remember. Well, maybe that is the <laughs> escape. You know, in running, that's what you... And a lot of people are like that in business. So you'll get real type A personalities who go bloody yeah. hard in the boardroom outside of there, get on the bike and ride for five hours or do whatever they don't want to talk about work. And so maybe that's you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I would say I'm pretty driven um, at work as well. Um, you know, even the fact that what I'm doing with the health and safety now, that's not long-term career, but I'm going to give that my all to do the best that I can in that position. Um, you know, and particularly at the moment dealing with COVID and all of that up on site, you know, you're doing lots of extra reading and policy and, you know what's our procedures for dealing with with that and even though that's not my end goal to be working up there I'm going to give it my all um and if I have a bad day yeah put on the trainers <laughs> go for a run and clear your head this one this always kind of intrigues me since I've kind of been there and the health viewpoint and the safety of it right and because you come from safety you probably even put a checklist down for Jared and everything so <laughs> We'll talk about your support crew in the next question, but yeah, I remember going to a talk by some it was before comrades, and the, this mm -hmm. guy had done twenty odd, and it's probably the worst talk for your partners to come to. And he said, "There's probably going to be a point where you know you're not feeling great health wise, and you might potentially, you know, feel like you're dying, but you push through it." <laughs> and I remember all the partners going, "If you do that, you stop." And but yeah. did you guys have non-negotiables for the event? You know, did he say to you, right, if I see you going through this, I'm pulling you off? Or did you say to him, if I look like this, I'm pulling you out? No. So my big thing when I do these events is I want to go until I break. You keep putting me out there. You do not let me quit. I don't care if I'm saying I want to quit. You do not let me quit unless I cannot walk and that happened at birdies last year um so birdies last year i was actually in a lot worse way um, my shin was just swollen i couldn't wait bear on my shin um and my sister um was part of my crew there and she just looked at me and was like you're going you don't have an option and i was like no 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 i can't like i can't go and she just looked me dead in the eyes and was like you're going oh, okay and it was very mum like you know where yeah. it's like you don't have an option 
Um, and she actually felt really bad about that because I ended up couldn't walk at the halfway point. And afterwards she was like, yeah, I felt pretty bad. That's what <laughs> happened. Um, got you an extra yeah, life though. Well, yeah, got me to start that, that extra lap. Um, but I'm glad that's what they're there for. And that's kind of what I instruct them to do is I don't care how much I'm saying I don't want to go. I do want to go, <laughs> you know. So your job is to keep getting me onto that start line and getting me going. Um, and there would be laps that I would finish and I would look at them, at Jared and Caitlin, and just be like, no, nah, I, I don't want to. I was on the ground at one point and they're almost creative in they're coming up with that thing, that one little thing that they can say to you that's going to get you back onto that start line. Um, they're on a hiding to nothing, though. Like, I'd, I'd love to be able to ask him this question and almost be like, yeah. there's probably point, like, I would be sitting there going, yeah. nah, this is, this might be great now, but in five years' time, or, yeah. you know, you just, there's probably, there would have been moments, I would say, if you honestly asked him and said, was it like yeah. yeah i would love to know almost how far you would get and yeah yeah and i know what you're saying because i'd be sitting there going no you're bloody going out again yeah yeah but there's probably but also a time when you go now yeah. we're pulling the pin here yeah yeah but what is that point you know <laughs> exactly where's that line um and yeah sean sean kaisler who organizes these events he's sort of um says and he's very good at it just getting into your ear um and giving you that one little bit of information that one little thing that you can grab onto to say yeah I can do that again um and he sent me a weird message when I was out there saying don't don't listen to Jared or don't listen to what the crew is saying you can keep pushing so I haven't actually spoken to them about this but I wonder what conversations were held behind the scenes of should we not push her out to keep going so yeah it's a really it's a hard thing for the crew because you tell them when you're in your right mind yeah keep pushing me out there but then they see you when you're at the end there and you're that fatigued and you can't make decisions for yourself anymore and do they keep pushing you out there um, it must be a hard thing for them to sort of see as well well all right well, let's go there then let's talk about support <laughs> um yeah and like I know we spoke off air but I think it's bloody hard, right? And I think it's so much easier to run. But, you know, you've got Carly. Yeah. Um, she's pretty much now seen it all. She's been there for it all. You've got Caitlin. Yeah. Um, and then you've got a bloke who, geez, I hope he got a hearty meal and a few beers because I don't think, and pretty much everybody has said to me, I don't reckon that bloke left there or he slept or, yeah. you know, and the support crew, like talk me through oh. it and, yeah. They're amazing. Um, so when I first started dating Jared last year, I actually said to him, I was like, oh, look, I'm a, I'm a runner. I run a bit, you know. Um, and, he, and he sort of went, oh, yeah, cool. Like, you run a bit. You do a few park runs. Like, awesome. Um, and I think it quickly he realised that when I said I run a bit, I run a bit. Um, and that he would end up getting quite involved in that as well. Um, but he's just taken to it. And I think he genuinely enjoys being there. He, he's a sports person. He loves sport. Um, so I think just being there, being around competition um, and being part of it, um, I think he just loves it. Um, so he's just kind of settled in and become part of the crew with, yeah, Carly. Um, so she was there all Friday night. 
um, sort of didn't sleep at all that Friday night. And then Caitlin actually ran. So she ran on the Friday night. Um, she's incredible. Like she did not train, right? And when I say didn't train, she did maybe two park runs leading into it. Um, so her goal was four laps. Sorry, I'm going off the tangent here, but I just, you know, I'm very proud. Um, she did four, her goal was four laps. And then she went, right, we may as well do a marathon. That's six laps. Huh. And then I may as well do eight laps because then that's a 50K. So, um, you know, to go from no training to then do a 50K, to then go home and sleep and then come back and crew me for most of Saturday night. You know, I'm pretty lucky to have these guys in my team as well because your crew is such a pivotal part of these races. Um, you don't have a lot of time between laps. So if you've got people there that can help get your food, get your water changed, do all of those little things, it'll absolutely make your race a lot smoother. Um, but I always ask them a hundred times before an event, are you sure you want to do this? I'm giving you an out. You don't have to do it. I'll, I'll be fine without the crew. Um, but they've always just put their hand up and, and jumped in, you know, no, no questions asked. So um, very grateful in that respect to have have them on my team to to help me get there because you honestly you couldn't do it alone so yeah very grateful to have them there it's uh, yeah uh, fascinating because I always sit there after an event and you almost you finish you take this medal off if it's that kind of event but you see the look of the people who are in your support crew and you're like that medal means so much to you like I it almost just every event you do it amazes me when I go I just yeah. can't believe this like really once you've done the race you go oh sweet that's the cherry on the cake but for them it's actually yeah. like a it's a physical thing right that they go oh this is our reward and we all and it'd be exactly the same as you it had been early nights where you know Jared's got to go to bed you know you can't you're not going out for dinner and drinks yeah. but you're all in so even though you're playing the game he's got to make sure that yeah. the noodles are there the bottles yeah. are full and yeah oh and timing those noodles is an art form so I've heard so when you're when you're the runner you have no idea what goes on behind the scenes um things like timing the noodles um knowing what troubleshooting foods I wasn't eating towards the end so they're trying to come up with strategies and and troubleshoot all of that and as the runner you just have to go out and run a lap walk a lap you know so yeah big big part of it to the crew but even like you said big commitment even before the race as well to get through the training to actually make that race day as well so yeah big big commitment there for, for the crew members as well and then you know how, how does it make you feel that you inspired like you inspired your sister like you might sit there and go, oh, it's amazing that she, but she would have been looking at you at this beacon and going, well, she's going to go out and do 270K. I'm going to go do 50, you know, and yeah, the 42 was a big deal, but you know, you kind of were the inspiration to go and go and go. That's just my thoughts, but I dare say that we're correct there. Yeah. Well, I think she signed up potentially after birdies last year and just seeing that event and seeing what people could do and went, oh, that's pretty fun. And maybe I want to see what I can do after that event. Um, so I think, yeah, definitely she sees what 
I'm doing Carly did that event as well and sort of seeing the goals that we sort of hit at that event and then going yeah I want to do that um, so yeah it's kind of a nice thing to then sort of pay that forward um, and help her in her race as well um, would definitely recommend training though maybe Caitlin if you're listening <laughs> if you're onto a good thing just keep it going <laughs> that's it um, but yeah it, it, it's great to have her out there for the first um, eight laps what are you Carly's coming back to birdies this year as well so yeah it'd be good to have her there for that event so definitely a team sport <laughs> in the family what do you want this to become like is it just always going to be just a hobby horse you know and that not to say you're going to go pro and do it but how far how far are you willing to push it um yeah like what do you want to really go for yeah um I mean if you could go pro in backyard ultras that would be awesome I don't think that's really a thing but um yeah I get what you're saying um how far do you keep pushing it I mean they've got in October this year they've got I think they're called Australian at the national championships something like that so they get the top 15 runners within Australia or go and do a backyard ultra you represent Australia and then you then sort of versus the other countries that are all doing a backyard ultra at the same time. So um, as far as goals for this year, that would sort of be to get to that um, and just push against other people, I guess, and see the best backyard ultra runners in Australia and how far can you then push yourself. Um, but for me, it's just always about how can I do better? What can I do? Um, and even already based on the last event, based on Herdies, there's already things that I look at well nutrition maybe wasn't so good towards the end there so what can I do to then get better and what can I learn to then go into the next event so there's definitely always I think room for improvement and that's essentially the goal um so yeah, do you think year, then, if I could yep so let's be more poignant with my question do you yeah does a backyard ultra title hold more weight than you know being invited to UTMB and going, okay, well, I want to run this in the sub elite elite field because based on your shorter pace staff, there's no reason that if you just followed a bit of structure on that, you are <laughs> both coach of that. No, that you're, you know, you you really are getting to the pointy end. So, but it just sounds like something like uh, an ultra trail type event doesn't really tick the box like a backyard ultra event does i mean i think that's just because that's in my head right now because that's yep. the event that's just happened but i've definitely got a bucket list of races that i would love to do utmb being one of them um you know doing a 200 miler is on a bucket list going and doing some of the races in the us in new zealand tarawera you know the bucket list is huge so it's just about well what do i need to do are they races that you have to earn a spot are they races that you just sign up and go and do them um but i love travel so i could if i could incorporate travel and doing some of these races brilliant um but say tarawera if i said to yeah. you right jess you've got an entry for 2024 are you just going for fun like just ah, oh, you gotta do an ultra or are you going 
yeah, I'm going to go have a massive crack at this because it's a different type of mindset, right? And you're kind of at that yeah. point now where you need to almost make that call and go, I'm going to have a massive crack, but I'm going to have fun doing it. And I think that's the thing. I would definitely want to go and give it my best and, and have that crack at it, like you said, but then that is fun to me as well. So, um, yeah, absolutely. If I'm going to spend money and go travel and, and get to these races, then I absolutely want to sort of give it my best um, in that race. And I think the journey to get there, like we were saying earlier, that's definitely a fun thing for me as well. So, yeah, there's a long bucket list of races. So <laughs> now that the world's opening up again, I'd love to um, get a few of them ticked off. Absolutely. Yeah, it comes back to that uh, thing I said about soul and ambition and smiling assassin, I think. <laughs> yeah. I've always, I'm always thinking plans and, and, you know, if I've got a goal, work backwards and how can I get to that? So just be a case of looking at a calendar and going, right, what's going to fit in? What's in school holidays? Mm, yep, what yep. races are we going to sign up for? And then how can we get there? Yep, absolutely. Yeah uh all right well to finish off i'm not going to ask what i've asked you before and what i ask everyone else because you're probably yeah. sitting there preparing all day for your answer i've, um, I've actually <laughs> forgotten what that question is well i normally ask you what you'd say to your younger self but uh oh, yep, i think yep, yep. we've got that yep. um i'm gonna I've ask answered that one yeah you have so i'm gonna ask what Give me you, a curly one <laughs> what you'd want your legacy to be what would i want my legacy to be um i think just to be honest, inspiring other women and, and young women as well. Um, something that I just didn't expect at all from Herdies was the amount of messages that I got from people and, and dads and mums saying, my girls, I'm going to hold it together, my girls were watching that event and they were so inspired by what you did and seeing what a female can do. Um, and it just blew me away, the people that reached out and said things along those lines. Um, so I think definitely as far as legacy would just be to inspire other women and younger generations just to go out and, as a, as a female, as a woman, go out and do things and, and you know, compete with the boys. Why not? Um, go out and give it a crack and, and have fun doing it. So, yeah. Well, I know you said, like, I know a lot of the ladies that I have, um, even Dee, like she's got two daughters and she won't mind me mentioning, but <laughs> I know that they were just inspired, like just absolutely fascinated by the fact that you could do that. And um, most of the ladies in our group were all like, yep, we're in. Um, so you're, <laughs> you're just, and you're oh. inspiring another generation of, and I like, it's great to see that. Um, yeah. Have, and they can relate to you, so relatable um and everybody who was there so relatable and the running scene in general but you are in your purest form doing that race and yeah, yeah so well to see d and tina and i think there was a couple of others doing a run their, their sunday morning run and just just the encouragement and the support out there and there was a lady on her bike came up to me and said, oh, I don't, you don't know me, but I see you on Instagram and, and you're doing such a good job and keep going. And just to hear all of those types of comments, you just think, oh, that's really nice for people to say that. And I, I didn't even expect that. That's not what I'm trying to do here. But the fact that you're having that effect on other people, I think that's, um, yeah, it's a nice thing. And just to keep building each other up, really. 
we we might have got there too early on Saturday because my son was ready to have a nap under the gazebo, so he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like definitely, yeah. Jess, like just keep keep doing what you're doing. You know, follow that structured, unstructured uh, training habit of yours and. It is fascinating just to see how much, you know, you, you've come in a couple of years and um, I'm sure the legacy piece is well and truly going to tick itself off. So um, thanks for sharing some of your time and especially this story. I know that a lot of people have been waiting to hear it and, um, yeah, look forward to what the next thing is. Yeah, I don't even know. I haven't got any races coming up <laughs> at this stage apart from birdies. So thanks for having me again. Um, no. Always a pleasure. So no yeah, appreciate it. Speak to you soon. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Thanks, Evan.